Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. We do not have Brenna on the line, but we do have another athlete on, and he's a Hammer Nutrition athlete, so I'm super excited. This episode is brought to you by Hammer Nutrition. Hammer Nutrition makes the best endurance supplements in the world. I'm a huge fan of them. I've been using them for all my ultra endurance obstacle course races, as well as using them for shorter stuff. Uh, Their gels I highly recommend. Their Perpetuum is Unmatched, which is a carb-fat protein blend. So it's making sure you're getting using all those pathways to maximize your fueling. And then the protein prevents your muscles from breaking down while you're doing these you know, two-plus-hour events. Uh, their heat is also good, which is would be like the replacement of Gatorade. So it's uh, carbs and electrolytes. And then my other favorite thing is Remcaps. So it's a pills you take. And it has melatonin in it and some other stuff, and it helps you deep sleep deeply at night, which is great for before a big race when your nerves are high, or if you're doing like toughest mudder, that's a nighttime race and you need to sleep in the middle of the day. That's what I take to help me sleep in the middle of the day. All right, so today on the line we have Anders Jacobson. He is an ultra distance swimmer. I'm gonna give a quick read of his bio and then we'll say hi to him. So, um, kind of has an interesting background that fits well with the Strength and Speed podcast. Uh, 1997, he was the USPF national champion in a 198-pound weight class in deadlift with a 683-pound pull, so ranked 21st in the world. 1999, did the Marine Corps Marathon, time of 356-ish. Um, 1999 to 2002, uh, sw- started swimming. 2000 to 2015, did a bunch of triathlons, so sprints, uh, a couple Olympic distance, did the Escape from Alcatraz, kind of a famous one there. Half Ironman, one full Ironman, um, which he ended up getting pulled, medically pulled after the bike due to a high fever and a very high heart rate. 2014 swam across Chesapeake Bay in Virginia Beach, which is 17.6 miles in 11 hours and 28 minutes, uh, despite bad weather. Let's see what else we got here. 10 Alcatraz to San Francisco crossings, uh, one naked the day after his wedding, uh, two Golden Gate crossings, one Angle Island to San Francisco crossing, no wetsuit. And um, he's planning on swimming the English Channel on September 16th this year. So, Anders, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so this episode we're going to be talking about marathon swimming, some fueling, some training, and crossover points with OCR. So, I guess let's first start off with, you know, what what, what distance does marathon swimming start or ultra-distance swimming, whatever, whatever the appropriate term is? Well, marathon swimming starts at any swim that's a 10K or longer. Oof. So you, you're talking 6.2 miles um, because um, in the marathon swimming community, most people can swim a 5K without fueling. So when you step up from a 5K to a 10K, you have to start fueling. And that is the biggest difference. Gotcha. And how long, approximately how long is it taking someone to do a 5K versus a 10K swim? Well, if you're a decent swimmer, uh, a 5K, an hour and a half, a 10K, three hours. Oof. 
All right, that is way faster than my Iron Man, uh, <laughs> my Iron Man pace. <laughs> I'm not the best swimmer. Uh, I'm just stubborn and uh, kind of got my way through it. But that is impressive. I know. So the, the how I met you, or how I met you digitally rather, is Hammer Nutrition has a sponsored athletes groups, and you're in there, and you often post workouts that make me nauseous. Right? Like it's just. <laughs> insane swimming distances and this is coming from a guy who does ultra distance obstacle course racing so <laughs> i'm just very impressed um that you're able to swim that far um and i want to get into that a little bit more but first uh, let's back up a little so how did you go from powerlifting, uh which is what you were doing in the late 90s into endurance sports well um more or less in in 1997 i won the state championship in powerlifting in Montana, and I was I was supposed to retire after the state championship, and uh, I pulled a new state record in Montana at that meet. This was in February, so I officially retired. But then I got a call from Nationals and said, "We will pay you if you come to Nationals just in deadlift." And I said, well, you know, I mean, I can't turn that down. So I went there and I cleaned house. I won everything there. And then after that, they wanted to send me to Worlds. And I said, no, enough is enough. My body, body has had enough. Um, I've been an athlete my whole life. And I know when it's time to change. When, when your body, you have to listen to your body. And sometimes your body can't take it more. So I decided to hang that up, and um, I was just, well, you know, i got to run a marathon sometime in my life, so why not start now? And uh, that's how I went from powerlifting to marathon running, and I ran the Marine Corps Marathon in 99, and I was really hooked on the longer distances instead of the shorter distances where you have a really high heart rate. And uh, I didn't really enjoy running that much. So I thought, well, I got the running part down. At the time, I was swimming for the United States Navy as a rescue swimmer. So I'm swimming, I'm running. Why don't we throw a bike in the middle? And now we got a triathlon. So that's how that came all about. And I did that for 12 years, and then more or less I got tired of the gear or in triathlon because, I mean, it's very expensive, and I uh, decided to just focus on swimming. And that's where we are now. <laughs> and so when you were doing the triathlon, did you were you always really good at swimming, and then you were just like, all right, well, why am I doing these other two sports in addition to it? Or was it just something you enjoyed a little more? Yeah, I mean, I, I was competitive in swimming. I was very good at swimming. I mean, last time I did Escape from Alcatraz, I beat some of the female pros. And then, you know, I had 1,900 people pass me on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it was like I was a good swimmer. Uh lower than average biker and a sucky runner <laughs> you're like the you're like the opposite of me i'm a, a poor swimmer i get a little bit better on the bike and then i my run's my strong point so yeah so so it was like 
you know, there, there's too much gear. There's too much into this. You know, swimming, you just, it's so simple. You only need water, technically. Now, swimsuit is good so you don't get arrested, and a pair of goggles and a cap might help, too. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, you only need water. And then the whole logistics about a marathon swim is kind of intriguing because it's so many parts into it. But, I mean, if you, if you talk, talk swimming in general, it's very simple. All right, so half Ironman, the swim is 1.2 miles. Full Ironman, the swim is 2.4 how did you make that transition from into ultra-distance swimming or marathon swimming? I always enjoyed the longer stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's more my personality that maybe I like the pain a little longer than just short. <laughs> and also, when it comes to the real, when you start talking real marathon swimming, I mean, you have the the whole crew aspect, and I mean, I'm I'm a week away from swimming the English Channel, and you know you have to have everything like that lined up beforehand. And like my wife, she's my crew chief, and once we get to England, I have no say in anything. It's like between her and my pilot, they take care of everything. I just have one job, and that is very simple. I get in in England. And I get out in France. Jeez. <laughs> so how far is that swim? Well, straight across is 21 miles. But with the current, you're going to swim closer to 26, 28 miles. Because first you get swept north and then south. And then depending on how fast you are, you go north again. Wow. And then how long – do you have an estimate of how long it's going to take you to finish? I estimate um, if like maybe I have a high, decent, low, and like a yeah, yeah. Okay. If, if I have decent weather, uh, fourteen to sixteen hours. If I have good weather, twelve to fourteen hours. If I have yeah, and anything longer than that, then it's going to be a really bad day. Hopefully not. So when you're when you're doing the swim. Are, is your pit crew passing you fuel? Like, what's the? Give me some of the logistics behind it. Are you wearing a wetsuit, stuff like that? No, we swim skin, so there's never a wetsuit involved. Um, we're only allowed to wear regular swimsuit, cap, goggles, and how the swim goes down is I swim an hour fifteen before I take my first feeding. And then I take my second feeding at 45 minutes later. So now we're at two hours. And then after that, I take feedings every 30 minutes until I'm done. Okay. And when you're feeding, are you just treading water or are you actually getting out of the water and getting in the boat? No, there's no touching at all. Um, They will have a cup on a line and they throw the cup in the water in front of me. I swim up to the cup. I drink it. And they pull the cup up, and I keep swimming. Interesting. So, so the feedings takes about ten seconds. <laughs> Interesting. So, what are you primarily using for fuel during this? Uh, d- during the swim is primary petroleum. Ah, uh, good choice there. 
Yes. Yeah. So I mean that. I mean, when it comes to this kind of stuff, uh, this kind of, and you can probably attest to that too. You know, I mean, it's all about the fuel. Yeah, absolutely. And so. for for this specific swim, is this a competitive event? Are there other people doing it with you, or is this a just you and your crew type thing? Just me and my crew. It is one swimmer per one boat. And on a good day, you can have up to six boats in the water at the same time. Oh, wow. And a little bit of history about the English Channel is there's only been uh, – there's been less than 2,000 people who has completed the English Channel. So there's very few. Yeah. And is that like a – you know, for the – marathon swimming community is that like a bucket list item is that like everyone's like yes. holy yes, grail I, yeah that, i mean that's mount everest that's you know that that is this swim to do gotcha gotcha so let, let's talk a little bit more about the um marathon swimming community is there a world championship not not per se um uh, well you have the 10k world championship and in that in those races, they allow uh, wetsuits. So you have a 10K circuit that they travel all over the world, and it's even in the Olympics now where they swim 10Ks. Oh, and wow. they, pick that, they pick that distance because those guys, they swim that about two hours. So the same as a marathon running, you know, marathon. But on on these... Uh, ultra marathon swims there is not a world championship so is there has there been a like is there like a best endurance swimmer that everyone like in ultra ocr there's a guy named ryan atkins who basically wins every race that we have um is there a equivalent in the ultra swimming community there's many good swimmers many many good swimmers and uh sarah thomas uh, from Colorado, she she's helped me quite a bit. Um, she swam last year 104.6 miles, nonstop, non-current assisted, because there's different classification what kind of swims you do. Uh, if you swim in the ocean, you have salt water and it might be current assisted. But what Sarah Thomas did was she swam in Lake Champlain. And she swam one way, round an island, and back. So there was no current. And that took her 67 hours and 16 minutes. Oof. And there's no touching. She has to stay in the water the whole time. She gets fed from the boat. And that's the whole... <laughs> that I mean, you get in, you swim, and you feed, and you swim, uh, finish. Now, are they switching between strokes when you're, you're doing something like this? Or, like, what's uh, mo- the primary not. stroke? Uh, uh, it's freestyle. Um, okay. There, there is some people who swim, like, uh, English Channel and stuff like that. Uh, there is some that do the backstroke or the freestyle or, um, I mean, butterfly and breaststroke, uh, like, specific strokes uh, to do that. Mm. Uh, there's also other way. There, there is something called Ocean Seven, which are the seven toughest ocean swims in the world, and uh, English Channel is one of them. And 
with those swims, there's only, I believe the number is 13 right now. There are 13 swimmers who have conquered the Ocean Island. So, and we have quite a few, we have several here in our club, South End Rowing Club that I swim for here in San Francisco. So it's a, it's a very unique um, group of people. So one of the things, so I've done some triathlons where it's open water, and unlike a pool, like a pool you can see the bottom, you can see the lane lines, right? There's a little more, there's a little more sensory going on. When you're in the ocean, it's just like looking into blackness or like basically the same color as the water. Um, yes. Just, I'm just kind of curious of like what that is like and, you know, you, I guess how do you deal with that or is it just something you enjoy I, I I enjoy it a lot, and and one thing that I do is I mean everybody has their own little thing, what they keep their mind on, and I do math problems. <laughs> so I I take a random three digit number and I try to divide it with a random odd number, and I try to figure it out, and then I try to prove it. And that takes me, you know, you know, that could take me 20 minutes or something like that. And, you know, and then it's time to feed and you see wildlife around you. There is always wildlife around you. And, and it's always interesting. You, know, you never know what you're going to encounter when you swim um, in the open water. What's, have you ever seen anything like really crazy out in the open water? Uh, like a shark or anything? Of course. Oh, of course, right, yeah. I always swim with the sharks. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, with, uh, I swam from Golden Gate to, to Aquatic Park here in San Francisco last year, and we had uh, whales breaching, you know, not too far away from us. And we had, you know, dolphins, sea lions, seals, all kinds of animals. Interesting. No, no, the... the Seals, they can be quite pay, uh, playful. So the harbor seals, they come up and they bump you or swim under you, you know, almost rub into you. Um, and that, they're just playing and you just have to get over it. I mean, it startles you a little bit, but it, I mean, you still got to just swim. Crazy. Um, I went swimming in the ocean in Greece, and the coolest thing I've ever seen was a uh, sea turtle swam underneath me. And he swam with me underneath for, I don't know, maybe like 30 seconds, and then he veered off path. So that's that's my one exciting swim story. That's it. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> uh, it, most of the waters that I swim in are uh, dark, so you don't see too much unless, unless something come up really close to you. Um, but but sometimes you feel them, they come up and test you out. So that happens. There's a large population that's terrified of uh, essentially deep water that they can't see the bottom of. So uh, I'm sure you're making some people nervous just listening to this podcast. But uh, yes, I mean I mean the the deep it's kind of interesting you bring that up. Uh, one time when I was crossing. The Atlantic Ocean on a Navy destroyer. Uh, I got to get off uh, in the middle of the Atlantic and to do drills with my swim buddy. And I looked up on the sea charts afterward. It was twelve thousand feet deep. That's insane. 
And you, you feel pretty small when you, when you do something like that. And you look down in the water and you're just wondering how many eyes are looking at me right now. Yeah. So when you're ever doing these swimming, either in training or for an actual event like you're going to be doing uh, later this month, do you ever listen to headphones? Or no. no? Nope, nope, nope. I, I used to do that in pool training, but... I stopped that a couple of years ago because it's just one of those things where we're not allowed to use anything. I can't even wear a, a GPS watch when I do the English channel. Oh, really? Why is that? It's just the rules, how they're written. I mean, there will be a GPS tracker on my boat, mm-hmm. uh, but on me personally, there will be not uh, be a GPS. Gotcha. Okay, so let's start talking about your training a little bit more. You know, give us like an average or a normal week when preparing for um, like a major swim event for you. Like, what? How many times a day are you swimming? How, what distances you're doing, etc. Rest days. I try to swim six days a week, um, and uh, a peak week will be somewhere around thirty miles a week. Which translates to how many hours? Ish. Uh, cut it in half. Okay. So 15 hours. Um, and I, I go up and down, so it would be like, let's say I swim two miles on Monday, four miles on Tuesday, and then one mile on Wednesday, and then I'd probably take Thursday off. And then Friday would be a little longer, so that would be eight miles, and then Saturday, 12 miles, and then an easy four-miler on Sunday again. Oof. And are you doing this in open water or in pool primarily? All, all open water right now. Uh, I stopped pool swimming April 30th this year. Gotcha. Specifically to get ready for this event? Is that why you stopped yeah, pool swimming? Yeah. yeah. It's, all, it's all because of water temperature and there's no, there's no boxes in, in the ocean. Yeah. Now, do you do any interval training, or are you just it's because you're so focused on endurance? That's just where you're. You just keep doing uh, sports-specific activity. Uh, I do endurance uh, interval training. Uh, like when I did my pool works, I do ladders and and sprint work and stuff like that. But after April thirtieth, then has, I mean, I, I switch it up even in the when I swim in the open water, I can swim sprints. They can be up to two hour long, and then I can do coasting, which is you know where you just go out and swing your marathon pace. Um, and then what about cross training? Any sort of cross training besides uh, swimming? <laughs> no, it hasn't been too much. Uh, I, we we did uh, some little fun here o- over the winter, and we did some ballroom da- dancing just to get out of the whole swimming. I just wanted to do something different, but not really. Gotcha. Okay. And now, uh, so you've swam Alcatraz, uh, I believe, 10 times. So what's that like? And, you know, I think from movies and stuff, that's always, at least like from a non-swimmer's perspective, that's always considered like a a big deal. Like what what is it that makes that a big deal or is it a big deal? It, it, it It is a big deal. Uh, you definitely have to get prepared for the, the the cold. If you're not ready for the cold, it will be a tough swim for you. 
Uh, and then conditions can be, it's, it's a relatively short swim is 1.2 miles swim. And you can have all the sea states from totally flat to white caps and back to flats again during that swim. So it's very unpredictable. And you never know what you're going to have. And then, of course, the, the, you have to time the tides right if, if you're going to swim into aquatic park because uh, the, aquatic, the opening into aquatic park is only 50 yards across compared to if you do a beach landing uh, further down the beach, that's fine. But if, you, if you're going to swim into aquatic park, it's only 50 yards, and you've got you to gotta know when, when to jump so you hit it because otherwise, mm. I, mean, I mean, you have the current out here ripping five knots, and you can't swim. I mean, once you blow past, you're, go, you're gone. Right. You can't come back. Interesting. So out of, out of all these crazy swim stuff, you've done, which event are you most proud of? It was probably the, uh, four years ago when I swam across Chesapeake Bay because that was my first true long distance swim. It was 17.6 miles and we had some bad weather and I, I, more or less I, we didn't know much how to set it up and it was, we kind of winged it and it worked out and it was just Okay, don't quit. <laughs> How do you uh, stay away from those dark places and avoid quitting? Uh, the crew. The, uh, you have to have a good crew. And, you know, you, you go into the very dark places in your head and you want to quit and you want to get out. And it's like, you know, pain is temporary and victory is forever. And you just have to dig deep and do, do you, do you want to swim for 14 hours and be a mile away from shore? And do you want to quit then and come back a year later and, and then finish it? Or are you going to finish it now? Gotcha. Love it. Now, what is it that keeps you coming back to marathon swimming? It's the challenge. I mean, it, it is. Yeah, you, you never know what you're going to endure and you're never going to know what you're going to encounter. And the swimming community is not that big, so you – when you go to training camps, uh, you meet people from all over the world and, you know, you run into them at the next event or you run into them at next camp and uh, it's a very small circle of people and it's, it's like a big family. Yeah, I think um, obstacle course racing, we have a lot of participants, but there's like a core group you'll always find at every event. Or in a specific area, so I can definitely relate to that, and I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that. Um, but it seems like I would imagine the marathon swimming community is very, very small. Um, like I said, as an endurance athlete, I listen, I look at your your workout posts, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know, I can't even, I can't even fathom some of these things. So uh, very impressive. Well, I, I I've been asked that before in other scenario in other interviews and i don't see there there's a big difference i mean you have people that run 24 hours you have people that bike for you know 48 hours even longer than that non-stop i just do the same thing but it's i'm swimming right <laughs> so you know it's just my cup of tea you know to do this crazy stuff and i do it swimming <laughs> yeah i hear you 
No, I don't know. I, I just I have like an aversion to swimming. I guess I don't know. Um, so out of all of these, uh, you know, these your experiences and all these swim uh, competitions you've done, you know, what's the biggest lesson you think you can pull out of that and apply to other sports? Well, I think I think it is a um, a general life lesson, and that is that first of all, you have to accept who you are. And there's other people, no matter what you do in life, other people is always going to have an upper hand or they're going to have better abilities. Uh, this guy has been on a swim team, you know, for his whole life. And you have to accept who you are and you have to start there and you have to start building from that. Don't look at this other guy that's been swimming for the past 15 years on a swim team. Look at who you are. Where do you want to go? Set your goals and achieve one stepping stone at a time. And that's how you get there. That's a great answer. I love that. Especially in obstacle course racing, we have a lot of people who are maybe not very active beforehand and they come into the sport and they see all this crazy stuff and they get overwhelmed with the number of events and stuff. So I think that really applies to our community. And, uh, you know, same thing with me. For my endurance career, I've... I just take baby steps, but I've yeah. continually taken baby steps forward for like a decade. So like people look at where I'm at now and the things I do now, and they're like, "Well, that's insane." It's like, "Well, yeah, it's insane now, but you know, a year, two years ago, it was also insane." But um, you know, I've taken so many baby steps up to this point that it it continually pushes that limit just a little bit further. So yeah, exactly because I do I do not so much this past year, but I do coaching and. Um, of course, it's mostly open water swimming coaching, and uh, I enjoyed the most to coach rookies, new people to the open water swimming uh, event, and try to help them how to get started in open water swimming. And the first thing I ask them or tell them is that you, you can't look at me and say, okay, he's such an awesome swimmer. I started somewhere too. And I've never been on a swim team ever in my life. So, the, 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 you know, you have to accept that. So since you brought it up, if someone is listening to this and wants to get into marathon swimming, you know, what steps should they take or what resources should they go to to start down that road? Uh, start with the 1K. There is many local don't don't go for something big, you know. Uh, start with a 1K and work your way up from there. Just take something local that's low key. Uh, find a coach to help you, because you have to learn how to uh, sight um, properly and not just sight uh, forward. You have to learn how to sight to the side. When I swim and I have a pilot, I never sight forward. I sight to the side because the boat is to the side. If I look up, if I lift my head, I slow down. So finding a coach is a key, but then also just, you know, start with a 1K, move up to a 5K, and then you have to figure out how to fuel in the water, and then move up to a 10K, and now you start thinking about, okay, what are you going to do after a 10K? So that's how you start out. Baby steps. Just keep moving forward. 
Yep. I like how you brought up the sighting because the first time I did a triathlon in open water, I suddenly realized that I couldn't see lane lines and it was much more difficult to swim in a straight line, right? I'm like zigzagging all over the place, all this wasted energy. So um, Correct. I almost forgot to bring that up. And, and, and even, even for triathletes, it helps a lot if you learn how to sight on the buoys. If, if you have an out and back, I did Ironman Florida 2009, which was an out and back course twice. So you have buoys on the side and you don't have to really sight forward. You can sight to the side. Gotcha. So with your, your big swims coming up here in about 12 days, uh, this will actually be released after the swim probably. Um, but what other future plans do you have beyond uh, this amazing swim you have coming up? Uh, right, right. <laughs> uh, or are you just camp- not even looking <laughs> that far? <laughs> uh, go camping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right. The, the plan right now is um, finish this swim and then I'm probably going to take a little bit of time off because it's been a lot of swimming this last year and then I take one thing at a time. I mean, there's several swims that I'm interested in, but that's, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens after England, England to France. Well, I don't know at this point. Gotcha. Are you taking your wife on a nice vacation afterwards or uh, is it all business? <laughs> she, she, I mean, she's my crew chief in England, so, uh, you know, she, she'd be in charge. When, when we're over there, and uh, uh, we'll we'll see what what we planned. Right now, we are just yes, yes we'll be the answer. <laughs> She's sitting next. To me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I sucker my wife into all these trips. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll go. Uh, we'll do an eight hour race in UK, and then uh, we'll go to Ireland for ten days. And uh, she's like, mm, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta gotta compromise there somehow. Oh yeah, def- definitely. But she, she's uh, moving up in the swimming world too, and she's uh, planning some swims next year. So next year is her year, and and my my year to pilot her. Gotcha. So she does she do she does marathon swimming also? Yeah, she she she's working up to that. Yes, she is. Okay, so she's basically just as crazy as you are uh, with this stuff. Uh, uh, She's she's getting there. Getting there, yeah. yeah. On that, she's on that glide path. Yeah. Yes. So. All right. Well, good to hear. Uh, any final? Um, actually, before we go, uh, what do you want the world to know about marathon swimming um, from an outsider? So, like, you know, most of us have never had any experience in that realm. So, right. anything you want the the rest of the world to know about marathon swimming? Well, it's not a it's not a spectator sport. <laughs> it's it's I mean with with GPS today, um, it's it's kind of interesting because you can check somebody's progress during a swim anywhere in the world. If you post it, like like my track will be posted on Facebook and and you can track, you know, the whole swim during a day or sometimes a night and a day and and um, it's a it's a very interesting sport, and uh, most people are very laid back, and uh, it's a wonderful thing to do because you get to travel all over the world if you want to, and there's always somewhere you can swim. 
Gotcha. Well, very interesting. This has been a fascinating uh, episode for me. Um, I found out a lot more than I did. I, I wasn't even – I didn't even really know this was like a – I mean, I guess I knew always knew it was a thing, but because whenever there's a sport, there's always someone willing to take it to the extreme. But uh, definitely opened my eyes on a lot of different things here. Uh, any final sh- – yep. <laughs> uh, one, one extra thing that I didn't think we mentioned, but last year I did some ice swimming. Oof. So What's that water, like? <laughs> well, water freezes at 32 degrees, and uh, uh, I signed up for a, a weekend of racing up in Vermont where we cut a two-lane pool out of the ice, a 25-meter pool, and we jumped in and we swam races, and uh, the water temperature was 30.6. Jeez. And no, no wetsuit with swim skin. (laughs) I think I remember you posting pictures of that in the uh, Hammer Nutrition group or sharing your post from that. Yeah, and um, the longest I swam was uh, I swam a 200 meter. And uh, uh, that was very, very interesting. (laughs) So I imagine besides the horribly cold temperatures, a lot of that you just got to kind of like man up and really strengthen your mind and just kind of go for it. Is that the technique, or is there something secret I'm missing? Well, I mean, a 25 or maybe even a 50-meter race, most people could handle. Um, anything over that, you have to train for it because it, it, it is dangerous. I mean, there, there's no joke about it. And, um, I mean, a, a 200 took me 3 minutes and 44 seconds to swim, and... I mean, you, you're swimming in water that technically is not water anymore. Yeah. So. so I mean, it, it sucks your breath away, right? Like when you jump in? Yes. The, the, the key is you cannot hold your breath. Okay. I mean, when, when you go into water, any, anything below, I would say 40, actually probably 50 for most people, is you have to blow the air out. There's never a problem to get the air in, but if you start hyperventilating, is that you shallow breathing, and you're not getting the carbon monoxide out of your lungs. So you have to blow everything out as hard as you can. Hmm. And um, after a while, you know, when everything is numb and you can't feel anything, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, totally not anywhere close to the same level, but we have one obstacle in one of the series, or a couple of series actually, where they essentially use an ice bath, and uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. not even close because you're basically in the water for I don't know, ten seconds maybe, and you you got you have to fully submerge. There's usually like a a barrier yeah. that you go under, um, but a lot of times it depends on the race, but sometimes it actually feels nice because you're you're hot and the ice bath feels nice, but the uh, yeah, it's it's very brief and. Um, Depending on the race series, sometimes there's a lot of ice, so sometimes it's pretty bad, and then other times it's like a lot of it's melted, so it's it's not too bad. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not swim I'm not swimming at all. I'm essentially walking through. Um, yeah, I I, ice. I think I've I think I think I've seen those. There's like a big shipping container. Yep, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Oh. Wow. Cool. Um, anything else you want to share? This has been uh, pretty cool. No, I mean, I, I think we cover everything I got on my notes. 
of course, I want to thank uh, Hammer Nutrition for all the support they give me with all the fuel and all the supplements they give me. So it, it is essential when you start getting to this, this level of any kind of exercise. Is you have to have the right fuel. Yeah, absolutely. And if you anyone's listening wants a discount, uh, referral number two four zero eight eight seven gets you fifteen percent off your first order. Um, I know I didn't point out a lot of the crossover points with OCR in this episode, but I'm sure if you're listening and you've listened to some of my other podcasts with other athletes that are not OCR specific, you can pull the crossover points out for yourself. Um, but Anders, it's been great having you on. Very interesting topic. Crush it in uh, two weeks, and uh, I'm curious and excited to see your post-event results on Facebook. Thank you very much. I I appreciate talking to you. All right. I'll catch up with you later. Okay. Bye now.